Hello, and welcome to Buffy and the Art of Story Season 2. If you love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you love creating stories, or just taking them apart to see how they work, you're in the right place. I am Lisa M. Lilly, author of the Awakening Supernatural Thriller series and the QC Davis Mysteries, and founder of writingasasecondcareer.com. Today we are talking about Season 2 in review. I'll cover the way the pilot and the finale bookend the season, foreshadowing from the pilot, themes of season two, which are continued into season three, and character arcs. As always, there will be no spoilers except at the end to talk about foreshadowing, but I'll give you plenty of warning. Okay, let's dive into the Hellmouth. Starting with bookends. I had to look up the meaning of that term in the literary context. It's a concept that I often think about when I am both reading and writing, but I was not a literature major. I was a writing major, and so the specific terms don't always come to mind. So I looked at a website called Pen and the Pad, and there was an article there by Julia Lay, L-A-I, which gave a great definition. She says the bookends technique is a device to create a satisfying narrative structure by placing the setup of an anecdote or short scene at the beginning of a piece and the resolution to that anecdote or short scene at the very end. And she also says the last bookend should provide the resolution to the first bookend. Additionally, this resolution should provide the reader with a sense of closure, which seemed like a great framework to start out looking at season two as a whole. Uh, One other definition I found was on a site about giving speeches. That site is called uh, Six Minutes Speaking and Presentations skills, your guide to be a confident and effective speaker by Andrew Dlugan, D-L-U-G-A-N. I'll have links to both of these in the show notes. This is a, a quick note. It says, by opening and concluding your speech with a common element, you neatly and often artistically provide cognitive symmetry for the speech which you have delivered. So with that out of the way, I looked at the premiere when she was bad and and compared it to what we see in Becoming Parts 1 and 2. Some of these bookends I noted in the spoiler section in the When She Was Bad episode, but other ones I did not because it had been a while since I had watched all of season two. In When She Was Bad, Joyce and Hank Summers do a little bit of bickering. Hank has just brought Buffy back from her summer with him. He is unpacking all these clothes and shoes that he bought for her. And he tells Joyce that all summer it was as if Buffy was there, but not really there. And Joyce says, welcome to my world. So we start the season with Joyce recognizing Buffy's distance and disconnection. And at the end, in Becoming Part 2, Joyce will learn and face the truth about Buffy being a slayer. And she does not handle it well, and Buffy actually leaves home. 
In that same scene in When She Was Bad, Hank says at least when Buffy was burning things down, he knew what to say to her. And Joyce says she just hopes Buffy makes it through the school year. Later in the episode, Snyder says to Giles about Buffy, he smells trouble, expulsion, and the faintest aroma of jail. In Becoming Part 2, we saw Buffy did not make it through the school year. Snyder personally expelled her, called her a criminal, and there is that faintest aroma of jail as the police are pursuing her as the lead suspect in Kendra's murder. So these two are almost perfect bookends introducing those ideas in the pilot episode and they come to fruition in the finale also in the pilot Buffy asks Angel she's she's goading him to uh, fight and says he must have thought about it he's a vampire she's the slayer what if they fought and Angel tells her because at that moment he's trying to help that she has to trust someone. So we have this resolution of this in Becoming Part 2. They have exactly this fight, Vampire Slayer, and there he is saying everything is stripped away, what's left, and she says, me. So this is an answer to him saying you have to trust someone. And in that moment, Buffy knows that she is enough in herself. We also see Angel as a character, or when he becomes Angelus, taking advantage of what he learned in When She Was Bad. Because there, remember, Cordelia had been taken. One of the vampires throws a rock through the window with Cordelia's watch on it. And Buffy is ready to race off and save Cordelia. She won't let the others come with her. And Xander and Willow argue with her about it being a trap. She goes anyway, and then Willow is taken, as well as Giles and Jenny Callender, it turns out. And Angel knows this. He knows that Willow was vulnerable because Buffy was lured away with this obvious trap. He knows it because in that previous scene I talked about, he was trying to help Buffy deal with that. So in Becoming Part 2, Angelus, uh, actually in Part 1, Angelus lures her out. He sends her a message. Very similar. He doesn't use a rock. He uses a vampire that bursts into flames. And she goes to meet him in fight and he names it he says and you fall for it every time as I talked about last Monday there are reasons that Buffy goes to this fight she thinks at least as long as she's fighting Angel he can't do the ritual to revive a Cephala and she thinks her friends are safe because she's leaving Kendra with them but what she doesn't know is that Angel is forwarding his plot to wake up a Cephala because the person he needs is Giles. He needs information from Giles. So that is a wonderful bookend between the pilot and the finale. We also have character moments. In the pilot, Xander initially is really taking Willow for granted. They have that uh, almost kiss, and then he acts like he forgot all about it. Maybe he did forget all about it as soon as Buffy is back. But he does, later in that episode, say to Buffy, after Willow has been taken, that if anything happens to her because Buffy rushed off and wouldn't listen, he says, I will kill you. I'll kill you. 
in becoming one and two, we do have a resolution of that because once again, and more seriously, Willow is injured after Buffy falls for that trap. A bookshelf falls on her. She is unconscious in a coma. Even when she wakes up, Xander is really worried about her. He is also worried about her doing this spell again in her condition. As I was thinking about the bookends, I realized maybe this is the reason Xander lies to Buffy. In When She Was Bad, he says, if Willow gets hurt because of you, I'll kill you. Now, he doesn't kill Buffy, literally. But is that driving him saying to her instead of telling her about the spell, saying kick his ass? Is it killing Buffy emotionally? Because that is what happens. If Buffy had known about the spell, maybe things would have played out differently. At the very least, maybe she would have been emotionally a little bit prepared for that moment. I don't know how you could prepare that moment when Angel gets his soul back, but she would have known. So something I had not thought about before in terms of how that could be a bookend, Xander's choice there. Also, in the Xander and Willow world, that part about Xander taking Willow for granted in the beginning, and then in Becoming Part 2, he's holding her hand and telling her how much he needs her, and talking through, saying, you know, first jokingly, um, who's going to help me pass my classes, but then who am I going to talk to every night and talk about all the things we did that day? Xander is really taking account and feeling how much he needs Willow and perhaps seeing how much he just took for granted that she would just always always be there we also have very much of a scenic bookend in the climax of when she was bad Buffy goes to the warehouse where the vampire leader is trying to revive the master from his bones and he is chanting he's doing a ritual he has Willow Giles Cordelia and Jenny and Buffy goes there with Xander and tells Xander to get the others out she will distract the vampires and Xander says how and she says something like I'll kill them all that ought to distract them we have a bookend to that in becoming part two because now Buffy is going alone to the mansion where Angel is trying to revive Akathala to wake him up using a ritual Angel is chanting and Xander comes with now this time he appears she doesn't know he's coming but he comes with and she says to him get Giles out I will be too busy killing vampires. I won't be able to protect you. So almost exactly the same scene there and setup. Obviously the resolution is different while both times she is able to stop the revival of the enemy. In the first one, Angel is there to comfort her after she smashes the master's bones. And here she has to kill him. But it is once again Angel, not Angelus, who is there at the end. In the falling action, another bookend, this one emotional. In When She Was Bad, Buffy and Giles are walking outside in the sun and she is saying, how can she face her friends? 
her rashness in running headlong off to try to save Cordelia when she knew it might be a trap, insisting on going alone, almost got them killed. And she says, what, you know, what am I going to say? Giles urges her to go and face her friends. He says, it's hardly the worst mistake you'll ever make which he acknowledges is not as comforting as he meant it to be. Buffy does go face her friends and they have saved her a seat and they all joke around and everything is okay. In the falling action of Becoming Part 2, Buffy cannot face her friends. She does not face her friends. She watches them and she walks away. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't tell them she's all right. She just leaves. And I've been thinking about why is that? I talked a little bit about that last Monday. Is she angry at them? Is she just on overload? It hit me that she may be protecting them, protecting Willow in particular, because if she talked to them now, she probably would tell them everything. And maybe she doesn't want to have to tell Willow that doing that spell made it so much worse and so much harder. On the other hand, given Xander's kick his ass comment that she thinks came from Willow, I think it is anger. She is angry at them that they were not there to support her. But there also might be, I feel like I'm doing on one hand, the other hand, the other, other hand. But I also thought there may be guilt there. Her feeling that throughout this year, she has put them in danger so many times, even though, again, the danger is there, but that some of her choices, whatever choice Buffy makes, somebody's life is in danger. She is constantly making those choices, and it was so exemplified by the choice to kill Angel. She just can't handle it, and she doesn't face her friends. But that is such a bookend there that idea that how am I going to face my friends and in the end she does not also on an emotional level I made a comment in the when she was bad episode about Cordelia's joke at the end in the falling action where Cordelia says something to Jenny about uh you know whatever they tell you you can't get the blood out of the clothes and Jenny says yes that is the worst thing about being knocked out and hung upside down over vampires to become a sacrifice and I said maybe the reason Cordelia can handle the trauma is that she looks at these smaller things that this is her way of dealing with it and that all our characters have so much trauma here in the falling action that could be what we are seeing with Buffy in the past Buffy used her quipping and her joking much like Cordelia in a way to deal with it although I think she was more self-aware about it but now she just she doesn't have that she just leaves In other foreshadowing, um, not necessarily bookends, in When She Was Bad, Buffy says to Angel, you know, being stalked isn't really a big turn on for a girl. And when he becomes angelus, that is exactly what he does. He stalks her. He watches her. He leaves her notes. He harasses her friends and family. He is trying to kill people. He is trying to kill her. He is obsessed with her. So that danger is foreshadowed so many ways, but specifically in the stalking comment. 
Also, that point by Giles when he says in the pilot, it's hardly the worst mistake you'll ever make. And then in Surprise and Innocence, Buffy has sex with Angel and he turns into Angelus. And this is in the world of Buffy, I think the biggest mistake Buffy makes. There is no reason for her to know it, which makes it that much worse. In When She Was Bad, her mistake is she's not dealing with her emotional issues. So she's pushing everyone away and she rushes off to this trap that is really obvious. And there, at least, you could say at the end, she learned something. She perhaps can say at the end she learned something. With Angel, there was nothing. She she didn't know about the curse. She had no reason to think that making love with Angel would turn him into his vampire self again, would lose his soul. And so it feels all the more heartbreaking that the worst mistake, at least certainly of the season, was one that it's hard to see how Buffy could have avoided other than to say, yeah, I just shouldn't be in this relationship. Moving on to the themes of the season. We have this theme of love versus obsession. And we see it played out on several levels. Obviously, Angel versus Angelus. With Angel, even as Angel, he is, uh, as Buffy points out, there is a little bit of a stalker aspect. In the previous season, she appreciated him turning up when she needed him, but he, he admits to like lurking. He knew about career fair because he lurks. He watches what's happening at the school and she doesn't know he's there. He turns up outside her window at night. Now, he makes his presence known when he's Angel, but nonetheless, he does seem to follow her and yeah it's with good intent to help her but all these things become so dark and so dangerous as Angelus so I feel like the show is raising a question is Angelus in the fantasy world where everything is writ large is he the logical result of a relationship with Angel who as Willow says one thing hasn't changed you're still all he thinks about I don't know. I don't know if that's what the show is saying or it was simply foreshadowing with Angel's behavior and Buffy's comment. We also see that theme with Joyce and Ted. The idea of being in love as being under the influence because Joyce is eating the bakery that Ted makes. It's it's laced with this drug to make her happy. And in many ways, she is terrible to Buffy. She does not believe Buffy when Buffy tells her Ted threatened her. And Ted is obsessed. He kept bringing back his wife in another form and killing her again. He creates this robot out of himself. And this is not love. It is obsession and it is dangerous. In the love spell episode, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, Giles says to Amy, what you are feeling is not love. If you loved Xander, you would want to help him. This is selfish, banal obsession. Uh, Spike and Drusilla. Spike is driven by this deep love for Drusilla. And he is, in the end, driven by jealousy because Angel and Drusilla, he thinks, are hooking up. They're certainly hinting at it. Drusilla seems all fine with that. Angel is deliberately taunting him with it. 
And the judge says to Spike and Drusilla, you stink of humanity, you share affection and jealousy. What's interesting is Spike does not seem obsessed with Drusilla. He does enjoy other things in his undead life. Yeah, he becomes angry about Drusilla and Angel, but he he does not seem to do the stalking thing or the things that Angelus does. We also have this theme, this coming-of-age theme, childhood to adulthood. In When She Was Bad, there are so many references to the students as children. Giles refers to them as children. Snyder refers to them as children. There is also a reference to the Anointed One. Angel warns Buffy in the beginning that something is going on and don't underestimate the Anointed One just because he's a child. So I feel like that had to be somewhat deliberate, all these references to children. Today's show is sponsored by writingasasecondcareer.com. There you can find articles about writing, marketing, publishing, and time management for writers, especially for writers who are working full-time at another career or who have other significant responsibilities. You can also find books on writing, including Super Simple Story Structure, A Quick Guide to Plotting and Writing Your Novel, and of course, Buffy and the Art of Stories Season 1, Writing Better Fiction by Watching Buffy. We see that childhood to adulthood theme playing out. We have the Dark Age where Buffy finds out adults, Giles, are people who made terrible mistakes, who don't tell her things she needs to know. She has to save Giles. And that is, as I talked about in the episode, a coming-of-age story. We see it in Lie to Me, the episode where Buffy's friend Ford transfers in. And at the end of it, she and Giles are standing at Ford's grave. And she is saying things are more complicated. There are these gray areas. And she wants to know, does it get easier? And Giles says, do you want the truth? And she says, lie to me. And he tells her, yes, it's very simple. You know the good guys from the bad guys, um, the white hats, the black hats. And this really does go to that theme of things becoming more complicated. In season one, our villains were really clear. The master, he was engaging when we saw him in the sense of he had this humor, he could be funny, but he wasn't a developed three-dimensional character in the way that Spike is and Jealous is. There was no gray area. The master was evil and Buffy needed to kill him. It was simple. And that is not the case in season two. That moment at the grave of Ford foreshadows so much because later we will see Buffy at Jenny's grave with Giles saying, I'm sorry I couldn't kill Angel for you, for her. Because in innocence, she had the chance or she was trying to kill Angel and she could not do it. And Jenny died. He killed Jenny after that. 
you could argue it would have been so much simpler for her emotionally to kill him in innocence despite that she was struggling that he still looked like the person she loved that she couldn't quite accept that it wasn't him but how much easier to have done it then than to have to do it in becoming part two when she is ready and she is fighting and it's angelus and suddenly it's angel again so much more painful so much more complicated and jenny definitely would not have been killed I feel like Becoming Part 2 answers the question Buffy asks, does it get easier? No. You become an adult and it gets harder. In When She Was Bad, Cordelia asks a question. It's a very funny uh, quote. I don't remember the whole thing. But she is talking about something trivial, her summer. Her parents promised her one amazing place and took her to a different one. She's saying, well, you know, maybe that kind of adversity builds character. And she says, is it possible to have too much character? That is also the theme of season two. This adversity builds character. It is also the answer to Cordelia's question when Buffy leaves. Is it possible to have too much character? And I think the answer is yes. Too much character building. Too much pain. Too much adversity. And Buffy just leaves. And this is part of what makes the show so powerful because almost everyone reaches some point in their life and sometimes more than one where you are in the midst of something tragic and and awful and difficult. And yes, if you come out on the other side, you may have grown or become stronger or gain skills. But nobody asks for that nobody wants that and the reality is sometimes it is too much I remember when I was going through something like that and a a friend was going through a divorce and he said yeah I am sick of people telling me that adage of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger he said I don't want to be stronger I feel like that is what Buffy leaving is saying she's she's done having her character built she's done growing into an adult through adversity we also have the theme of self-reliance versus needing and connecting with others I talked about that a lot last Monday so I won't spend a huge amount of time on it I did notice something though that I don't think I mentioned last time which is in becoming part one Angel learns from Whistler that he he will be better connected to the world. Um, When he's alone, he is eating rats in alleys. And then he sees Buffy and he decides to try to become someone to be part of the world. So that's an interesting other aspect that I didn't really think about. And then we have throughout in the beginning when she was bad, Buffy's error is in pushing everyone away and going it alone. Yet in becoming part two, through no choice of her own everything is stripped away and she discovers yes in the end when everything else is gone she has herself also Spike says in that episode I can't fight them alone and neither can you and we do see that could Buffy have gotten rid of all the other vampires including Drusilla if she were alone or if Spike was on the other side I like to think so but that would be three 
extremely powerful vampires and a whole bunch of their minions against Buffy. Also, it's interesting that her friends, unbeknownst to her, were still trying to help her. At least Willow was. But it made it worse. It made things harder and worse for her. So I feel like Becoming Part 2 has has both. Buffy did rely on someone. Spike did help her to a point and then in the end she had to rely on herself. Another theme throughout season two is forgiveness. In when she was bad, in that falling action, Buffy is worried about her friends forgiving her for endangering them. Then in the dark age, Giles is embarrassed and feels guilty that these choices he made in his past are now presenting such a danger. And he tries to deal with it all himself. So we again have that theme of dealing with things yourself which makes it harder because Buffy and her friends have to reconstruct and figure out without the benefit of knowledge that Giles has. He says sorry to Buffy and Buffy says don't be sorry, be Giles. In there is his fear that she won't be able to forgive him for being human. And Jenny, it isn't quite forgiving forgiveness but Jenny distances from Giles after that because she is the one inhabited by the demon up to that point she's been willing to hang in there come back despite danger all around Giles at the end she is not she pushes him away then and for other episodes there is a forgiveness theme there as well and maybe Jenny almost certainly Jenny would have been better off if she stayed away, if she is not involved with Giles, she probably wouldn't have done all that work to try to find out how to restore Angel's soul. Angel wouldn't have killed her. He killed her for two reasons. One, she found that spell. And two, Giles loved her. And he knew it would be devastating to Giles and Buffy. I only have eyes for you. It was all about forgiveness where we had the two ghosts who ultimately inhabited Buffy and Angel and James needed forgiveness from Grace for killing her and Buffy needed to forgive herself for the guilt she feels over what happened to Angel. Going back to that ending with Buffy leaving, perhaps there is a forgiveness issue there. In that moment, maybe she cannot forgive Joyce for the way Joyce reacted when finding out Buffy is the slayer. And maybe she can't forgive her friends for that kick-his-ass message. Or maybe she is again struggling with forgiving herself. There are some amazing character arcs in season two. I'll start with Buffy because she is our protagonist. In a series, usually the protagonist who is recurring grows the least of the characters. Because if you are going to have a character come back season after season or novel after novel, you really can't have the this giant character growth every time. Even though fiction is heightened 
reality, it, it would just be too much. Also, love of the character as she is, is what draws people back to the series. So as a viewer or reader, we don't necessarily want our series protagonist to change radically. An example from books, I love Sarah Paretsky's V.I. Warshawski novels. V.I. was the first female private eye in fiction along with uh, Kinsey Malone. I'm not sure which came first, but I, I feel like V.I. did. She's based in Chicago to a large extent an inspiration for my own QC Davis series, but I read V.I. for 20, 25 years before that. V.I. Warshawski, she is someone who says to powerful people the things that we might all want to say, but that make life much more difficult for her, and she just says them. She dives into danger, not recklessly for the sake of danger or the adrenaline rush, but to defend someone else, to save someone else, to find the answers for someone who needs her help. And VI is always there to help people. I have a blog post called Why I Love VI. I will link to it. I don't think VI changes radically because we come back because we love her as she is with all her flaws and she has flaws. Some of the books I read them and think, VI, there is a better way to do this. In a somewhat of a flip of that, though not completely, a great series to look at to see very gradual character growth and change of a protagonist is John Sanford's prey novels about Lucas Davenport. If you read the first book, and I this isn't, I don't think this is a spoiler because you would know there were, I forget how many he has, it might be up to 30 now, Lucas Davenport books. So you know he's going to continue. In the first book, Standing Alone, you might think that he's the killer. Lucas is so extreme, not unhinged, but so driven that you could see that if the author was sort of withholding certain things, it might turn out he was this serial killer. And he doesn't just, boom, switch from that because the books have continued, so he's good now. Very gradually, as he grows older, he has more experiences. There are changes. There is always the core of Lucas there, but he does evolve. But it is done in such a gradual way way that I believe it. Here Buffy does have an arc and I see it mainly as the childhood to adulthood which is a significant arc. The recognition of adults are people who are human who have made mistakes. Yeah did Buffy know that intellectually before season two? Probably yes but to really get that on an emotional level and to have a more grown-up relationship with Giles. Also that deep understanding that the good guys and bad guys are not always going to be clear, that they can switch places, that there are so many gray areas that you can't always tell them apart. That too is part of childhood to adulthood and the idea that love doesn't conquer all. I feel like Buffy at the beginning and through season one, there is the romance of being in love with Angel. Even the painful part of it is kind of the high drama. It's what we love most of us about the Buffy Angel relationship re-experiencing that kind of love before you grow up more and see more of the difficulties or deal with the difference between the love in that first flash of it in that moment and the love when you've lived with someone for five or six years or 10 years or 20 years how things change. Buffy doesn't get 
that experience exactly. But in a way, in that season trajectory, she and Angel, their relationship progresses and morphs and changes and obviously becomes very dark. Buffy learns that just because you love someone deeply and that person loves you does not mean that you can prevail, that you will end up together. Spike, I don't know that Spike grows in this season. He certainly experiences changes, but he is throughout a romantic he loves Drusilla deeply and that drives him throughout the season. He also is the character with the greatest joy for life, undead life in his case, but he seems to have the most fun of our villains and heroes. And that continues, though when he is so badly injured, he obviously is not happy. His love of life is part of what draws him to a lie with Buffy. It is Drusilla, but it is also, I believe, Spike when he says he really loves life. So I don't know that he changes so much as everything we learn about him comes to fruition in his choice to go to Buffy. Willow, I think, has the greatest character arc and growth. Willow is never just a victim for the most part. The show shows us people in danger, not just generic victims. But she has less power in the beginning. She is in danger. The vampires steal her away. She is emotionally so smitten with Xander, who treats her badly in that episode. And she continues through much of the season to have these feelings for him, gradually recognizing and accepting that he will not return them and trying to make her peace with that separately and more important she grows in her sense of self both her power and skills she becomes a teacher she learns from Jenny's lesson plans she basically has to figure it out herself and she does how to teach that class and she figures out how to do spells she learns from Jenny though Jenny is gone and she is the one who says I can do this spell and she is the one who does it again at the end who is the driving force she overrides everyone else by the strength of both her will sort of a pun intended and her skill and knowledge and her confidence in that she also gains confidence in the season with I don't want to say just her sexuality and her body but I think that is representational in these stories of Willow's willingness to be seen because because we see her hiding her physical self. She wears that costume for, we'll just call it the culturally inappropriate uh, ball. And Oz already sees her. He sees her. He loves that authentic costume. He is the one who sees her, though she is covering up. But she doesn't know that. And then in Halloween, she hides herself initially under this sheet. And she is forced to expose her body in a way that she is completely uncomfortable comfortable with but through that episode she forgets about that discomfort as she uses her knowledge and her skill and her ingenuity to solve the problem to help guide everyone through when Buffy is not there because Buffy has become this duchess and doesn't remember who she is and Xander doesn't remember anything and Willow starts taking charge and at the end when she is back to herself in the sense of 
of no longer being a ghost of herself, she starts to put that costume back on and cover up again. And she realizes it's okay. It is okay to be seen. It is okay to be who she is, to let herself be visible. At the end of the episode, Oz sees her. She doesn't know it. And I love that Willow's confidence does not come from Oz recognizing her and seeing her and being drawn to her. It comes from herself, from her knowledge, from her skills, and her greater feeling of confidence in showing that. Which leads to the willow we get at the end who says, do you see my resolve face? You've seen it before. You know what it means. Sander, I don't see much change here. If you do, I would love to hear about it. He may become a little more confident in facing the vampires. Emotionally, though, I am uncertain. If he grows, he probably gains confidence through being involved with Cordelia, but I feel like that comes more from outside. I'm not sure if it makes him more confident or not. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Giles, I think, does have a minor arc, mainly in the Dark Age, when his past catches up with him, in that he realizes it is okay to share with Buffy that he has made mistakes about his past. He is forced to do it, but I feel like he grows in the sense of realizing that perhaps that is a better and stronger relationship than solely playing the role of the mentor. And we see this a bit in past after Angel kills Jenny. He goes after Angel and he is not doing it as Buffy's watcher. Um, He's not doing it to serve the greater good. He is angry and he wants to get revenge. He is going to kill Angel. And it is Buffy who tells him, I can't lose you. Like, you can't do this. I can't lose you. Again, growing that relationship. But for the most part, I see this as a relatively small growth. I think we will see more of this later in the series more of Giles finding his place aside from being Buffy's watcher. Here it is a a small change. Joyce I think does not change and grow this season or perhaps ever. She is always concerned about Buffy. Most of the season she's in denial. She doesn't handle it well when Buffy confronts her. I don't know that she would have handled it any differently in when she was bad had she learned the truth. So I I don't see character growth here. Even the most Joyce-centric episode, Ted, does not seem to prompt character growth for Joyce. It doesn't seem that she draws anything from that. And I'm not suggesting that she necessarily should. There wasn't a way for her to know what Ted was doing. But I just think we are not focusing on Joyce enough to know if she has had character growth. In Still Pretty, Lonnie Diane Rich calls Joyce a conflict vending machine because she says when the writers need a conflict, Joyce shifts to become whatever it is that they need. I feel like that is a function of we are seeing Joyce through Buffy's eyes. And as a teenager, she is not seeing if her mom did have character growth, I don't think she would see it. Buffy is a particularly grown up and perceptive teenager all the same this is still her mom it is really hard to step out of that child role Buffy only does it with Giles because she is forced to in the dark age 
and there isn't a similar thing with Joyce. But I agree. I it would have been nice to have at least one episode where where we really got to see Joyce grow and change. Cordelia is a side character who grows a fair amount. In when she was bad, she says to Buffy, "Well, we're not really friends, but I'll give you some advice because you've saved my life on occasion." But she is still very much seeing herself as separate. She calls Willow and Xander Buffy's loser friends. Yes, she has hung out with them. She's intrigued by what they do and the demon fighting and the vampire slaying. She doesn't quite admit it, but you can see that she finds it exciting. So there is that sort of seed of the growth throughout the season when she really becomes part of the group. And she certainly grows in the episode where her friends force this confrontation where they are looking down on her and excluding her because of Xander. And she finally decides that, yes, it is worth it. She is her own person. She is not defined by them. So that is it for the season two in review. Other than spoilers, I hope you will stick around for that. If not, I will be taking a break. Last Monday, by mistake, I said until August 3rd, the episode for season three, uh, the pilot, and that will air on August 10th. So I'm taking a break until August 10th, Monday, August 10th. So I hope you will come back then and listen to me get started on season three, which I am so excited to cover. It is my favorite season. we're back for spoilers. First on theme, I talked in previous episodes about this theme of you're not who I thought you were. This theme continues, picks up in the pilot episode, which is called Anne, because Buffy, after leaving Sunnydale, isn't even using her own name. She is going by her middle name, Anne. So Buffy is struggling with not wanting to be the slayer and also not wanting to be Buffy. And this is where we will again encounter a young woman who was in Lie to Me where there was that vampire cult. She was the woman with the long blonde hair calling the vampires the lonely ones and she was going by the name Chanterelle. Now we will meet her as Lily and she will tell Buffy that she has gone by different names. She never reveals what her birth name was, but in the end, she takes Buffy's name of Anne and kind of picks up Buffy's identity. And her arc will play out in Angel and we will see as she becomes someone else. Initially, Buffy doesn't recognize Lily as Chanterelle, but interestingly, Lily recognizes Buffy. But there is that not who I thought you were. And the demon Ken in Anne, he thinks he knows who Buffy is. Even though he doesn't choose her to be one of the workers trapped in the demon world, he thinks he knows who she is. And it turns out he is wrong. Faith, also, there is a lot in that theme of you're not who I thought you were. Faith herself, initially, in when she's introduced in Faith, Hope, and Trick, 
appears to be kind of devil may care, great joy of life, no worries. And then we find out at the end that she is petrified because this ancient powerful vampire killed her watcher in front of her and she wants to run away. This is Faith's personality, this kind of embracing of life, but there is is much more to her. And of course, her arc turning to the dark side will be much of not who I thought you were. I think one of the key parts of that is when Gwendolyn Post comes to Sunnydale posing as a current watcher and misleads and lies to Faith and manipulates her at the same time that Faith has also found out that Buffy has been lying to her about Angel being back. And I I think that is so key. Both of those, Miss Post is not who Faith thought and Buffy is not who Faith thought. Even Angel is not who Faith thought in the earlier episode. So there is a lot of that in season three. And I so want to talk about it more right now, but we'll save it for next season. We will see some more of Not Who I Thought You Were in later seasons as well. A quick one that comes to mind is Riley. Buffy is drawn to him because um, I think she says he's so normal. She thinks she's going to have like a regular boyfriend. And first it turns out he's in the initiative, this secret military operation fighting demons and then later he takes his own turn to the dark side and is not who she thought and we will see faith again coming back we'll see a body swapping episode in season four we will see jonathan doing a spell where he becomes the best of everything in season four so these identity issues will continue throughout buffy and continue to give us some amazing stories and the buffy bot just popped into my mind so we will get there i i want to talk about all of them right now but i will wait last one the complexity of good and evil black hats and white hats in season three faith is definitely a gray area for herself for a longer time for buffy so there we have that complexity the watchers council as a group introduces some of the most interesting area to explore i feel like we start with this idea we don't see the watchers council but giles is the representation of the council that we see and giles is clearly good but throughout season three we see that the watchers council one we have to even question their intentions and two their lack of concern for any individual slayer becomes more and more clear Um, at first we have the episode where Giles has to drug Buffy oh and that is another you're not who I thought you were because in that episode when Buffy finds out that Giles has done that she says who are you Cordelia walks in and says he's Giles Giles because she thinks that Buffy is under some spell and has forgotten then Giles turns around and comes through for Buffy and the Watchers Council is in a way saying you're not who we thought you were too much of a father figure you're fired initially it seems like the council perhaps their intentions are good but they are too wedded in tradition and ritual and unable to adjust but it 
gradually becomes clear that it is more than that. It is a real disregard for these girls who are on the front line fighting and the council views them as disposable. And we will see that even further in later seasons where Quentin, who seems to be the lead of the council, says something like, the council is eternal, the slayer is just the weapon with which they fight. But you can definitely glean that from season three. And there is a bit of coming of age in that Buffy, she calls it graduation. She rejects the council. She quits. She refuses to listen to them anymore and goes her own way. So that is it for the season two review. I am sure that I missed things. There is enough for hours and hours and hours of discussion on season two as a whole, but I will leave it there. Thank you again for listening. I do hope you will come back on Monday, August 10th for the season pilot and music for this episode was composed and performed by Robert Newcastle. Buffy and the Art of Story is a production of Spiny Woman LLC, copyright 2020. Thank you.